This is the Spirited Talk podcast. Conversations and much more about connecting with our friends and lost ones in the spirit world. And now, here's your host, Trevor. And welcome back to this second part of what is truly a fascinating story. My studio guest is the widow of the late Derek Akora. Gwen, it's wonderful for you to share this time with me today and the listeners, of course. It's lovely to see you. It's lovely to be here. Thank you for having me. My pleasure. I have to confess, Gwen, I once met Derek on a ferry going from Southampton to the Isle of Wight. And I remember I was up on the top deck having a little smoke like you do. And out should walk Derek onto the deck to have a cigarette as well. And I had to go across and introduce myself to him. I must say he was like a hero in the early days of becoming a medium myself. I also want to say that Derek was one of the first main mediums that influenced me in my path in my life. Tony Starwood, Colin Fry, John Edward and of course Derek himself. As with all of the big mediums of the time... I went to watch Derek demonstrate at the Regent Theatre in Christchurch in Dorset. People around me at that time had varying points of view about his work. And as has always been my policy, I want to find out what these people are like for myself. And I went to view Derek with a couple of friends. So I have no doubts or hesitancy in saying that from my experience, when my friend got picked by Derek for a reading... The evidence were absolutely outstanding and we walked out of that theatre and we had nothing but praise for Derek and that's one of the good things isn't it? I think people generally loved him didn't they? Oh they did, yes, yes. Derek was hugely popular but like all mediums that worked in the in the television industry they had the people that loved them, they had the people that didn't love them and a lot of people's opinions were created by what appeared on TV to truly, truly find out what a medium is like you have to see them live, <clears throat> you have to see them demonstrate and maybe even have personal experience as you did because your friend received a, a reading so you knew that the accuracy was there. Some people, sceptics, people who don't want to believe, they find many reasons to support the dismissal of mediumship. But usually when they actually experience mediumship in its purest sense, and that is by receiving a, a, a personal reading or somebody you know receiving a personal reading, where well, you know there can be no plants or, or research or whatever, that's what gives a true opinion. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. Absolutely. I, th I think it's very easy for people to stand and say, well, you know, and condemn somebody. And oh, then gosh, you, yes. you have to think, well, have you actually gone and seen them? Where Are they really Are they really that bad? Or is that just something somebody told you? You need to check these things out well, for yourself. a lot of people, they go onto the internet and they read inaccurate stories. I mean, I, I can well remember reading... Um, uh, a review of Derek on stage saying how awful he was, how dreadful he was. Half the audience walked out. But it was a theatre that he'd never appeared in on a date where he was on holiday on the other side of the world. The whole review was contrived. And unfortunately, people read these things and they take it on board. And it did, just didn't happen with Derek. It happened with all the big names. 
Well, we're going to spend an hour and looking at Derek's life a little bit closer with you, the best person to tell us all about it. And let's start off a little bit here. Remind me of the age that you were when you first met Derek and tell us a little bit about those early days. Well, we were both in our mid-30s. I'm a, a year or two older than Derek. So we met through friends, really, although he did say that he'd met me before in nightclubs, but I didn't remember him. But the reason why I wouldn't remember him was because he was a footballer and I used to avoid footballers like the plague. But yeah, we got together and he told me what his interests were and what he was doing. He was a sports coach at the time. It wasn't just football that he was coaching and it was other sports as well. But of course, Almost his every spare moment was spent going and sitting in circles, going to the churches, and really he was deeply into spiritualism, or the ism as he used to call it. That was how it all started out. I didn't know what a medium was until I met Derek. As I'd said previously, they were always fortune tellers. Well, didn't you say, I think we were just having a sandwich a few moments ago, you were saying that one of the first ways that Derek approached you about it was tarot, wasn't it? Yes, I suppose that would be his idea of finding out how I felt about the esoteric, should I say, because obviously everybody knew about tarot cards and card readings and this sort of thing, and I said, well, told my little tale about Mr. Flynn and this sort of thing. And he then said, well, actually, I involved in spiritualism and it went on from there. And I, I actually used to go to the Sunday service with him and saw some of the mediums demonstrate at the spiritualist church, Dolby Street in Liverpool. Yeah, I, I went along and became fascinated myself. I found it fascinating that what people I I witnessed people doing demonstrating mediumship because as I said my only experience had been a card reading with Mr. Flynn. You've met Jane outside and Jane's a northern lass and one of the things I've learned from northern lasses are not easily persuaded into something they don't want to believe in. They're very grounded. And I get that impression with you, Gwen, and I, I feel that as much as Derek was into this spiritualism and talking to the dead, you were more grounded about all of this. Oh, absolutely, yes. He had the great misfortune to marry somebody who was uh, more than a little sceptical. But, yeah, it, but it's a fascinating subject, and I know that he was totally, totally dedicated to his work as a medium, although he was very light-hearted and sort of very much an entertainer on stage. People used to use that as an insult towards him, really. Oh, he's a showman. Yes, of course he was a showman. He was that sort of outgoing, exuberant personality. But it didn't detract from the fact that he was a damn good medium as well. I don't think there's anything wrong with a bit of stagecraft. After all, people want to see you looking professional. Yes, I I think they do. I've been to see other mediums. I mean, I I told you before about seeing Gordon Higginson and and Lynn Edwards on stage in Southport, and it was was fascinating to, to watch. I mean, Lynn Edwards' philosophy is incomparable. Gordon Higginson was an excellent medium. 
just winding back time then with Derek. So here he is. He started effectively. He's starting out on this mediumship career, and you know that he's going to circles, etc. I think you were talking to me earlier on about he started going to people's houses and then yes, doing readings. Did. Move on from there. Yes, he started going to people's houses, but became inundated with requests. So I suggested to him that it might be an idea to have some sort of office affair where people could come to him and it be office hours, more or less. And that's what he did. And his name went before him, the recommendations. Word went around. He was invited onto local radio. He was invited into the county radio for regular slots. And then the Granada Breeze, which was the satellite arm of Granada Television, got in touch because they had a, a feature for National Tea Week and they wanted a tea leaf reader. So they got in touch with Derek, who said, well, I don't read tea leaves. <laughs> But they said, well, you're clairvoyant, so you you know you can wing it, <laughs> which he did. And he proved to be very, very popular, so popular, in fact, that he was asked back the following week and then the following week and then the following week and they signed a contract with him and he stayed with the Granada Breeze for the following four years until the satellite, pro, whatever they call it, closed down. And of course, at that time on the telly, I remember watching a particular programme that really fascinated me, done by uh, a DJ, I think it was in Leeds, and it was all of a sudden it became a radio show called The James Whale oh, yes. Radio Show on telly. Yes. And James was this straight talking, no nonsense. Ooh, yes, oh, yes, everybody oh, was afraid of James Yeah, they, they were scared of it. Yeah, he's brought on quite a few people that have appeared on this, and Derek appeared, didn't he? Oh, yes. Derek was a, a guest on the James Whale show for two or three years. And that came about. Derek had written his first book. And, of course, you have to promote uh, a, a book. And I had sent a press pack off to James. And he had picked it up, noticed it, and, and asked, invited Derek into his studio in London. It was taught radio, I think, at the time. So we went along, terrified out of our lives because it was James Whale and we knew he took no prisoners. Derek was supposed to be on for 15 minutes to promote his book. He went on, I think, after the first half hour of a two-hour programme and didn't come off until the end of the programme because the, the switchboard went into meltdown. And from that, James asked him to guest on a regular basis. And the first few programmes, we travelled down to London to the, the studio in Oxford Street. They arranged for a link with a Stockport radio station so that they could live link James and Derek. And the programme went out in, in that way. And that only came to the, uh, an end when James unfortunately succumbed to kidney cancer. Yeah. And he had to have a lot of time off while he received surgery and recovered. And by the time he came back to the radio, Derek was too busy to mm. pick up again with him. But it's it's testimonial in many ways because James Well was no fool. Uh, oh God, and, no. and Craig he he ripped people apart on that as well. Before we move on, I'm quite fascinated by this. Now you told me this story before we started when he had his shop in Liverpool. 
But there's two things I'm going to ask you. Tell us about that name, the Acora name. And did he have that emblazoned across the shop? Oh, yes. You carry on. Yes, he did. Yes. And Derek has Norwegian blood. His family on his father's side and his mother's side has Dutch blood. And that is where the, the name Acora comes from. Derek adopted it as a working name. And that's the name that was over the shop in Liverpool. So that's how that happened. Yeah, it seemed to have struck a chord and people... Yeah, this is one of those myths, isn't it? I, I thought that uh, Derek Okora came because of this Romany blood that he had. And there was that rumour going along. And now it's plain and simple. He had Norwegian relatives. Yeah, there was no Romany blood. He certainly never talked about it if there was. I don't know where that the, that rumour has come from. Derek wasn't just a medium. There were so many um, strings to his bow, I suppose you would say. And I remember hearing you talking to somebody about the fact that Derek had a, a, a small plane licence, but yeah, you never went pilot, with him. That's right. I went up on his first lesson when he was getting his uh, pilot's licence, and that was enough for me principally because he put his headphones on the wrong way around and so the microphone was at the back of his head and I thought oh my goodness no (laughs) but something that surprised me that on first lessons I thought that the prospective pilot sat next to the pilot and was talked through certain things but no they actually allowed them to take control and on that first lesson Derek landed the plane. You can imagine sort of dropping out of the sky with Derek at the controls. And he wasn't the most practical of people. So, uh, no, it was far too scary. I never went up with him again. But he did acquire his pilot's license, yes. Well, that's brilliant. I'm envious of that. I think that's so exciting. So it shows that he had, uh, you know, more interest. He had other things that he liked doing. Yes, Um, yes. Gwyn, moving on, Most Haunted. That's where I kind of got to know him, and I know a lot of people got to know him, first of all. Well, yes. Whereas Derek had appeared on TV, Most Haunted gripped the nation because it was something that uh, was new and it was exciting and it was investigation. And yeah, everybody loved it. I would say, thank goodness, thank you very much, Most Haunted, because you certainly uh, catapulted Derek from somebody who was well-known to somebody who was very well known and yeah it was a, a, a good and exciting time to be around paranormal television at that particular time because although yes there had been investigations televised be- before I'm sure they have I'm sure that Most Haunted wasn't the first one um, I have no data to tell me whether that is true or whether it isn't true but it certainly captured the imagination of the nation and there were some wonderful times there were some bad times but there were some wonderful times as well yeah and we were talking earlier on about this and from my viewpoint as a viewer of the program it kind of got that it was getting a bit pantomime in that Carl and Yvette were staging things and it was making much mockery. yeah it, it, i can pass my opinion as a viewer after derek left yes it was pure pantomime after that when derek was on there for some reason the the spirits and the ghosts didn't want to throw stones and nobody was walking around with pockets full of yeah. <laughs> aggregate <laughs> As a viewer, we only ever got three quarters of the shot. There was a quarter of the camera that we couldn't see. You see, this is what I don't understand. 
why, when you're hunting for ghosts, have a camera focused on your face? It should be facing the other way around so that the viewing audience can see what you're seeing. I, I, I've never been able to get that. And, that. and that included the times when Derek was on. There were so many facial shots. I've forgotten the number of times that I've seen the interior of Derek's nostrils. Yeah. But that was the way that people angle the camera. I, I don't want, necessarily want to see the uh, the vein structure of people's eyeballs. Well, it went a little bit pear-shaped, let's be honest. And unfortunately, there was some controversy at the time, which was really upsetting for those of us that sort of wanted to give Derek the best you know, view and, and like him. There was this awful stuff that came out and and caught him out i know the story it wasn't uh, it wasn't yeah tell out. us about it <laughs> i can talk within the confines of agreements and and this sort of thing but the stories that were put about are not accurate i think derek should have had a right to reply no bits of paper were left around it that wasn't how it happened at all but certain people found it that they wanted to put it about that Derek was a fake and a fraud and, and this sort of thing. Derek actually handed his notice into Most Haunted at the end of the fourth series, I think it was. Certainly in the October of 2004 anyway, whichever series was due to be uh, filmed. He went along to Manchester with his agent. He handed his notice in. He was asked to do another series and another couple of lives which he agreed to do he got through the majority of series six he walked off set at sinai house said he couldn't possibly do any more because at this point he was on the verge of a nervous breakdown that's how bad it was and I think Gordon Smith did the final seven of that but I think it was called series seven and that was the end of most haunted apart from the most haunted live the final most haunted live that he did but living tv had asked him to do that final series in, in order that they could create a new program for him which was Derek Cora's ghost towns and that's what happened well, it was a golden era, wasn't it? Did you know the very first workshop I went on was run by Mia Dolan? Oh, yes, uh, yes. Yeah. Big medium at the time. She's a great lady. Yes, great. She, she appeared on uh, Granada Breeze with Derek on a few yeah, occasions. Yeah, absolutely. Yes, Wonderful yes. tutor as well. Yes, I, I have nothing but admiration for it coming over from the states we had a crossing over where john edward was yes. hitting the screens then at that time there was this englishman that suddenly started having his own show called the sixth sense with colin fry yes. wonderful medium fabulous friend uh james van prague so yes. all in this golden era all of this this stuff yeah. and tony stockwell oh yeah. my goodness yes all yes. of these fantastic names well tony and colin and derek did the most fabulous three medium show at the hammersmith apollo it was a total sellout it was just an epic epic event it really was it was absolutely amazing there's never been another medium show no, like it no, there never no. ever i mean the hammersmith apollo to fill that three mediums was tj Higgs involved in that she wasn't involved at the apollo no because tony was there following tony leaving the 
production company that did the three mediums, they invited on. And she did three or four shows with Derek and Colin called the three mediums, but it certainly wasn't the Hammersmith Apollo. Hmm. By by which time, as a viewer, the benchmark had been set by Derek and Tony and, and Colin, Colin, for that matter. Yeah. About that time, I'd started to get to know of a, a, a Scouser medium as well. And I read his book, Joe Power. Oh, Joe Power, yes. I don't personally know Joe. There is a secret that we haven't said so far. That I know that Derek used to do private readings for many of the celebs. Does this mean that you got to meet some of these? Uh, yes, I did meet some of them. Not all of them. Some I wish I'd met. But Derek always, readings are confidential and he always kept the information confidential. And he never spoke publicly really about the identity of these people because he didn't think it was fair and if somebody goes for a reading it's a private thing isn't it it doesn't matter whether your name is is on the billboards up and down the country or across the world it's your private life and this is a lesson to be learned because i've seen mediums that will make a big deal of saying i read for such and such yeah derek didn't need to do that i mean you won't hear me bragging that i got derek akura's wife in this <laughs> year <laughs> but she's not giving a reading because she's a psychic as a blank <laughs> yeah yeah well again that that's a fascinating thing about it this is why i say that you and derek you were fantastically good for derek because you had to be the grounding for him, like Jane is to me. Mm. I can see that in you. Yeah. And it, it doesn't mean you're not a non-believer. It's just that you're a little bit more grounded. I don't, I don't think that really anybody that is married to a partner of a, a medium could be a total out-and-out sceptic. It wouldn't work because then you're not being true to your own belief. I remember when Jane came with me to watch John Edward at Torquay. Now, up until then, she was a non-believer. Even if she watched Most Haunted or Derek or Colin, yeah, yeah, I don't believe it, didn't believe it. She came and watched John Edward and she walked out of the theatre and she went, wow, that was amazing. I said, wasn't that incredible? John Edward is incredible. I said, that is amazing. About 10 minutes later, we're going down the road and she says, I'm still not a believer. I was like, oh, I was like, wow, what do you need? What do you need? Do you need them to tap you? You know, it's unbelievable. But for many years, Jane actually kept that position. I'm not a believer. Now she's a sceptic because you and I were talking about earlier on, there's a lot of fakish mediums around. There's an awful lot of stuff going on. and, And it seems to have been over the past 18 months, somehow or another, I think, because we've all all been so confined to home and maybe people have found it interesting, they've picked it up and thought, oh, I think I'll be a medium. Well, we're coming up to a break at the moment, but I just want to bring this in because it's appropriate this moment. When we were having some sarnies earlier on, you talked about Derek, when he would come home, he would go and sit in the power. He would meditate. It was something that he did all the time. yes, he did. Now, that's a part of mediumship that is underplayed by people they don't realize the importance of it oh no Derek was very very big on meditation absolutely yes yes meditation and grounding yourself is the key he he was a huge believer in in personal protection of opening yourself up to spirit and more importantly closing yourself down because he he said that you can't remain open 
to spirit all the time, yeah. it'd drive you potty. I tell you what, I get that because you were talking, as I said, you were talking about how at one point Derek wanted to walk away because the emotions of this was getting to him. Well, I understood that. Uh, I understood what you were saying. What I didn't understand was the next bit. This is where my learning is. You said that Derek learnt to switch off. Derek learnt to be able to walk away from that. I've got to be honest, I'm not at that point. When I do a reading that brings tears to me or the person or both or whatever, I I carry that away for quite a while. Yeah, yeah. Well, he had to, and I think everybody has to, because he used to feel such depths of emotion and also physical pain. If he was communing with a spirit, bringing a spirit through who had suffered some sort of a heart attack he would actually feel that pain and i've seen him run with sweat through the experience so he had to learn he he had to learn okay well it's time to take a break and straight after arthur he's actually got a question that's specifically a derrick's question if you like so let's take a short break spirited talk and the podcast playlist are free podcasts if you would like to make a financial contribution to the project, please visit our patron page at spiritedtalkpodcast.com and Spirited Talk Podcast is all one word. Thank you. Hi, my name is Daniela from Enschede aus Holland. And I am a spiritualist medium and also a spiritualist healing medium. Ich höre lebhaftige Sprache in meinem Bett, bevor ich schlafe. Hi there, I'm Mark Stone, spiritualist medium, healer and teacher, and you're listening to Spirited Talk Podcast. Subscribe now to be part of the growing community. Go on, your spirit knows it's right. And welcome back to the second half. So, Gwyn, are you ready? This is uh, a question... Well, it's named here in front of me. All I can see is it's Derek's Arthur question. So you promise to answer it honestly? I promise to answer it. Uh, yes. Uh, uh, yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> no ifs, no buts. Okay. It's, all, it's always on. Yeah, here we go. Hello, Gwen. Which of these famous television shows did Derek not appear in? A. Loose Women. B. Doctor Who. Or C. Harry Hill's TV Burp. Wow. Which did he not appear in? Yes. He appeared in all of them. Correct. <laughs> <laughs> I knew that Arthur was trying to catch you out there. The surprising one is the Doctor Who one, isn't it? Yes. Oh, he was absolutely over the moon with that. And Colin was so jealous. <laughs> because Colin loved Doctor Who. I wonder how many people are now listening to this and going, really? I bet... <laughs> I, 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 if I'd have held yes. that as a competition, I bet everybody said he wasn't in Doctor Who. Well, well, there you go. Yes, with Billy Piper and Army of Ghosts. Well, while we're on this matter, actually, but I mean, he appeared in films. Yes. And hundreds of television programmes. Yes. I, I, I can't think of any that he wasn't. <laughs> but name the films. Crispy's Curse, Big Fat Gypsy Gangster. There was another one. I can't remember the name. No, I can't, actually. There is another one and I can't remember but we we got to understand Derek was a household name. I don't know how far that stretched across the world, but he was known. He was, you know... It was pretty he, global, basically. I was amazed that his sister 
got the news of Derek's passing before I managed to get to the phone because it was on the CNN news in yeah. America. One of the problems that happened with Derek, he was a target. Some people wanted to be him. Some people realised they couldn't be him, so they would attack him and try and get a, a name for attacking him. So, Gwen, come on, you've lived with Derek Akora. There's a lot of ladies that would have liked to have been able to say that, I am sure. What was the private Derek like? He was an ordinary guy. Absolutely ordinary guy who used to do ordinary guy stuff, who never used to pick his clothes up off the bedroom floor, who used to go upstairs, dirty feet and tramp around. And he he was just an ordinary guy, didn't know how to use the hoover or the washing machine. He was just your average person. <laughs> but he was better than average in many ways. When you think about it, how many thousands upon thousands of miles did you two travel around the country? Oh, it must be millions. Yeah. Over, over the years, yeah. And of course, around the world, because Derek appeared in Australia, New Zealand, America, the Middle East, Europe. Did he ever say why he was doing it? He was working for Spirit, and that was what he felt was his... Thing in life. So Derek's at home. Here he is on a Sunday afternoon. Does he bother putting shoes and socks? No, a pair of shorts and usually barefoot, maybe a pair of trainers. Did he have like a toolkit? Did he go out and do any DIY? No. <laughs> <laughs> Derek and DIY. Oh dear. <laughs> I did the DIY. Yeah, yeah. I've I've seen the picture of your lawn, which is incredibly big. And I said to you this morning, wow, did Derek ever get to mow that lawn? He went, you're joking. He probably didn't even know where the mower was. (laughs) We don't even have a mower. We have some poor chap that comes and mows it for us. Oh, yeah. I think if we'd have had a sit-on mower, he would have enjoyed that. But there, it would have been one of those things that the first couple of times, great. But after uh, that... Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Sit on mower, they leave the grass about three inches long. That's yeah. no good to anybody. <laughs> but he did have a hobby, didn't he? He loved his fish. Yes. He enjoyed looking after his koi carp, which I've inherited looking after. And, and of course, he loved football. He would be fascinated. Well, he, he'd just be glued to, to television if there was a football match on mm. with the dogs mm. sitting either side of him pointing out the offside rule no doubt I guess he was reds not blue oh absolutely well he played for Liverpool oh yeah of course yes yeah. You, you said and who was the manager at that time you said his name Bill Busby. Shankly Bill Shankly mm. yeah wow what an era to be mm. around now he was also into animals a lot yes we always had dogs and cats yeah and interestingly I believe there's a connection with flowers. He loved his flowers. He loved the roses and, and peonies as well, and the poppies and all, all the big flamboyant flowers. And I believe you two bought a small home in Spain? Yes, we have a home in Spain, yes. Now yes. then, I interrupt. I interrupt this programme to bring you a newsflash. Before this programme today, Gwen, mm. I did a little reading. Oh my God, can you believe I'm trying to do a reading for <laughs> Gwen Cora? Don't be stupid, Trevor. Have you not learnt how not to make mistakes? Well, in the cards, as you can see here, Gwen can see, I've got my business cards, which have got like labels on the back of them. Yeah. And I pulled one out this morning and I said to Spirit, what's the subject? And they gave me this and it was health. Mm. And so I shuffled my old cards here and I said, so, during the shuffle process, I asked the spirit world to give me something, to give me something about Derek, something that is appropriate. 
So I'll go through this quickly. I did record this before the show as well. So on the subject of health, Gwen, um, I got this card, which is the three of ones. And what this shows is a man looking out to the horizon, looking across the seas to the distant land mm. across the water with the boats and etc. And what we see is we have two of these ones stuck in the ground and one that he's holding. And when I read that this morning, before I realised I already knew it, I thought, now Derek had planned to move permanently abroad. He was always dreaming about what we'll do when we retire, we'll go mm. abroad and we'll live. Mm. So that was what I got from this this card. And at that point, I thought, hang on, you already knew they had a, 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 a place in Spain. So it's quite logical to move mm. on to the fact that they probably one day would want to go there. And the second card, which is actually the fool, I kind of felt that this card was saying to me, Gwen knows that they were so close to achieving that dream, mm. but because of the end, they mm. couldn't achieve that in total conclusion. Mm. The third card, which was that one, which was upside down, which is the Four of Pentacles. Mm. And I got the feeling from this that Derek was ready to go abroad. He was ready to quit everything, mm. and he'd squirreled enough money away that you could live happily ever after. Yes, yes. Um, we wouldn't have gone permanently abroad. We would have gone, and these these were our plans, to spend six months of, of, of the year abroad. Because with us coming out of the EU, obviously the possibility of staying permanently abroad wasn't possible unless we took residency in Spain, which neither of us wanted to do. So yes, it would have been semi-permanent, sort of half the year here and half the year in Spain. Well, it's true. It was absolutely true. Apart from the permanency of the move, which would have been impossible, but certainly the semi-permanency, yeah. There's so much more that I'd love to talk to you about. You know that. There's loads of stuff that we haven't touched in this interview because we are limited on time. But I just wonder if you'd share with us, if it's not too raw for you, how the Derek Pass into Spirit came about and and that whole situation. It was very, very sudden we'd spent christmas together boxing day my sister had come to stay with us on the boxing day and then stayed a couple of days and i think it was the um the monday whatever day it was anyway she went home and on the day that she was going home it would have been the tuesday i think i didn't feel well at all i, I really really felt unwell. So Derek took my sister home and I went back to bed because I felt so rough. And when Derek came home, he said he didn't feel too good either. And, and we just basically slumped in front of the TV and just didn't eat or whatever, just had cups of tea or something. And the following day, we were both exactly the same. And then Derek started losing the colour in his hands. They were going very pale looking. And we both thought, well, that's definitely not right. And so phoned our son-in-law, Raves, Derek's buddy, who has been with him through thick and thin, and asked him to take Derek to hospital because I had this flu thing. And obviously you don't want to go into a hospital with flu, do you? you you're infecting other people. And, um, yeah, that was the last time I saw Derek conscious. The next time I saw him, 
was got a phone call from the hospital to say that we should get there pretty quickly because things weren't looking too good. And we did. And that was the Wednesday, Wednesday night, I think. He was intubated, he was on heart monitors and antibiotics and kidney dialysis, everything. But he passed away five minutes into the Saturday morning. So three days gone. And when that news came public, when we first heard about this, it was kind of like somebody that we knew, a friend. It mm -hmm. was like a neighbour, it was a friend. It was like a member of the family. Mm -hmm. I remember when Jane said, have you seen this news? It's like, mm -hmm. please don't let that be true. Mm -hmm. Please. I can't imagine how, how you got through this, apart from the fact you're a northern lady in the tough. But I think being in shock was what got me through it, really. It was unreal. You openly say that you're not necessarily a working medium yourself or a psychic yourself, but no. you've worked with Derek mm. for all of these years. Mm. There was an incident you were talking to me about privately that I, I think mm. is worth sharing, if you don't mind, with mm. the public. Yes, it was the Thursday morning, about four o'clock in the morning. I'd just come home from the hospital and I came into the kitchen where a light was on. And I looked through to the conservatory, which is attached to the kitchen, and I saw Derek walking away. He wasn't wearing the clothes that he'd gone into hospital with. He was wearing something totally different, actually. He was wearing a pair of jeans and a, a sheepskin lined jacket type thing. Yeah, and he walked away. And he didn't look over his shoulder. He didn't turn around. It was just him walking away. And I knew then that he'd gone. I went back to the hospital. It was an hour or two later. They told me that there was no hope and they were turning all the, the life support stuff off. And, and he managed to maintain, or his body managed to maintain life for 20 minutes before his heart stopped at five minutes past 12 on Saturday morning. Mm. I, I I think that's a wonderful story. I think that's absolutely beautiful. Do you think Derek is watching over you now? Oh, yes, undoubtedly. Yes. Well, it's, we were talking and joking about this earlier on, of course. Yes. As the interviewer, there was a little bit of pressure on me for the last week or so, knowing that uh, you were coming to the studio. And I thought, oh, my God. And I said to Jane last night, I thought, Derek's going to be watching me every <laughs> move, everything I do. I've got Derek Akora looking over me. If I say anything wrong, things will start falling apart in here. And, <laughs> I'm sure he and, but, but I see, well, he hasn't flicked me today. He hasn't done anything. So yeah. I think we've done all right through this. I think so. What do you think Derek would have planned to do? Well, I actually know Derek had a plans, didn't he, for when he went yes, over? Yes, yes, he did. He often used to speak to me about it and he was be teaching over on the other side, not guiding and not coming down here and giving messages about, you know, you've got a black cat and a white dog or that sort of thing. No, he was going to teach. That's what he said he had been told was going to happen, that he would be teaching. And ultimately, that Sam, his spirit guide, would reincarnate to this world and Derek would be his guide. 
but in many, many years to come. Can you see the TV program in about 50 uh-uh. years' time? And there's this little funny-looking man, in there, and he's got, hang on, I've got my guy, Derek, Derek, Derek. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear, bless. Whether he'd be called Derek or I th- not, I, I don't know. We were talking about this earlier on. I think Derek would be a great teacher. I really do, because he's an ordinary, great, ordinary working fella and I, I, yeah. I think it would be wonderful. I think teaching by example not sitting in front of a class and you know sort of with a chalkboard or, or something like that. Well I don't know I don't <laughs> think he'd take much nonsense. I, I, the, 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 I don't think he would. No, no, I, no. I don't think he would. Okay yeah. listen we're, we're closing in very shortly on the end. There's a few things we need to wrap up here. Mm. Now you're deeply into your animals and, 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 and your dogs in particular oh, yes. and I know that you're involved in an organization called pathfinders yes now straight after this uh, interview is finished we're going to do a little short piece on pathfinders just um, me and gwen is that proper english gwen and i <laughs> me and gwen we're going to do a little talk about pathfinders but just to f- close this up here tell me how you're involved in pathfinders and what is it Pathfinder Guide Dog Program is a charitable organisation um, founded by Anne Royal and it provides assistance dogs for people who are blind. And it came about one day Anne had asked to meet Derek when he was appearing at the Glasgow Pavilion because the charity is based in Scotland. And we met with Anne and we had a chat and she asked whether we would consider being patrons of the charity. And we agreed and really the rest is history. I I continue on as a patron raising funds. It, It doesn't receive funds from anywhere. It's all voluntary donations. Nobody gets paid. All the work is voluntarily done. So it's a cause that I put myself very much behind, as did Derek when he was here with us. Well, Spirit of Talk is going to make a donation to Pathfinders, and I'm hoping you, the listener, will be able to help us out with that. So can we do three figures between us all here and help Gwen Pathfinders? Now then, Gwen, I cheekily asked you something before you came here. I, I said to you, Gwen, I said, Gwen, have you got anything that I could give to the listeners? Can you just tell us what you brought? Yes, I, I brought along uh, a DVD of Derek Cora's live tour, which is a compilation of all sorts of bits and pieces of, from On the Road and uh, different pieces from tours. And I brought along a CD, which is called Soul Journey, and it's music that was compiled specially for the CD by Andy Smith and Derek does a talk over and it's Derek's perception of what happens from death to rebirth. Wow, what's annoying is I can't hear them because they're sealed and I'm not going to open them. <laughs> and there's, a, there's also a special card in there. Yes, yes, it's a card signed by Derek before he passed away. It is authentically signed by, by Derek. And I thank you very, very much for bringing those gifts in. So we want to collect money for Pathfinders. So I'll I'll work out the details with you. So this is a fabulous little prize. And we're helping a wonderful cause of Pathfinders. Dogs need the money. No money is given to them by governments or any other institute. They have to raise every penny themselves. Mm -hmm. So please help us out. So Gwen, thank you very, very much for bringing 
that all in. More than welcome. Thank you for for helping to help Pathfinder. Every single guest that comes on Spirit to Talk, I always ask them to leave us with a, a little bit of thought, something to think about. Now, I'm looking at you and I'm thinking, you're <laughs> not going to ask me, are you? I am, actually. Have you got a message that you could leave our listeners with? Be kind, be positive, and try and make the best of every situation. I think that's a wonderful, simple attitude that we should all have. Gwen, I am so grateful that you've taken the time to come in here today and share your story and a little bit about our good friend Derek. He touched many people with his work. You have too because you've supported that man over the years. And I hope you have all the success in the future for keeping this legacy going, Gwen. Thank Thank you for having me. Thank you very much. And that brings another episode of Spirited Talk to a close. A reminder that there are many ways you can support these podcasts into the future. Start right now by subscribing to this podcast on whatever platform you're listening to it on right now. You are also welcome to join our Facebook podcast community group where hundreds of listeners and the guests come together to be part of Spirited Talk. If you'd like to contribute financially from as little as £5 per month, you can become a partner and access exclusive content and know that you're helping to keep this valuable information source going into the future. You can find out more about this and much more on our website at spiritedtalkpodcast.com. A huge thank you to my partners and to my guests today. From me, Trevor, thank you again and goodbye. (music) 